Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Wednesday night's game versus the Bucks. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short 20 to 25 minute episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. I will start off by giving you a quick rundown of the game, followed by my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, something to keep an eye on moving forward, my thoughts on the opponents, and a brief look ahead to what will come next to our Pistons. Before we get into this one, I just want to give you guys uh, something to look for, and that is episode 67 of the podcast that I recorded with Omari Sankofa from the Detroit Free Press. That was one of our normal hour-long overall weekly recap episodes and was a ton of fun with a ton of great insight from the Pistons beat writer, Omari for the Detroit Free Press. I also dropped my newest breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys, where I dove into the after timeout and quarter actions and end of game sets from the Warriors and Lakers games. I know there's a lot of conversation around those games, especially at the end of the game. So go check that out on the Detroit Bad Boys website. I'm recording this one immediately after the Pistons wire to wire loss to the Bucks, 93 to 114. Just some pregame notes for this one coming off a of back to back fourth quarter meltdowns, and playing an actual back-to-back after the Pistons played on Tuesday night. No Hayes still, no Stewart, no Olenek. Stewart should be back on Friday from his suspension. I know the Hayes thing was a two-game thing for sure, so it'll be interesting to see if he plays. Looking at my notes from the first time the Pistons and Bucks played, that was an awful shooting performance the first time, and we're going to see similar results tonight. In that one, I had my notes that Trey Lyles was quote-unquote a fine NBA player, and we saw his best game of the season tonight, so it must be something about playing against the Bucks. I hated the shots Frank Jackson was taking at that time, and I think this is an area he's improved on, even though he didn't shoot it great tonight, and Bay was not playing aggressive early enough in that game was something else that I had noted. So early in this one, I'll talk about what we saw in this game. Satan starting lineup is Tuesday night for the Pistons. The Bucks go with Holiday, Allen, Middleton, Giannis, and Portis as Brooke Lopez is still out. First quarter, absolutely horrendous start to this game. If you were on Twitter, you saw a lot of people saying, like, we're just going to skip the rest of this one. 10-0 run for the Bucks before Casey had to call a timeout. I talked about my notes where I said that Sadiq Bey, I wanted to see him be more aggressive early in games. And this one, he was aggressive. It didn't necessarily lead to him making a ton of shots or scoring it a bunch, but we saw that... He did this on Tuesday night as well. And again, this was different than the previous matchup against the Bucks. I like Sadiq Bey being aggressive. We'll talk about how many shot attempts he got compared to other guys, but he was aggressive early. Pistons just getting destroyed in the paint. This is something I'm going to talk about as well. They continue to fight. They make it a game. 15 points from the bench, including eight from Trey Lyles, who we'll talk a lot about in this episode, but gave up seven offensive rebounds to the Bucks and are down 26-32 to start the second quarter. Back and forth to start the quarter as the Pistons score, but the Bucks match everything and Trey Lyles continue to go and get buckets. 
I know guys can't make every open shot, but they even missed some wide open shots during this stretch that could have got that lead to even less than six. So they could have really cut into this lead. They cut it down to four a couple times. I thought Frank Jackson had about three or so of these really good looks. Even Cade has some throughout this game. The Pistons really had a chance in this game. If you didn't watch it and you just looked at the score, you probably think they were never in it. They were in this game during the middle portion of the game. And really, I felt like could have been even closer. Okay, they truly had their chances. Cade finally hits a three in the second quarter. They get a stop. He misses an open three in transition on the ensuing possession. And lots of times when that happens, a championship team is going to take advantage. The Bucks do. Holiday gets an and one. Not sure they are running better stuff, but they did look more comfortable against the zone tonight. This is something I talked about on episode 68 in that recap of the Heat game. And the Bucks don't even run zone in the entire second half. So I'm not sure the stuff or the actions were great, but they did look more comfortable. Bucks close out the quarter on a big run after those Pistons, after the Pistons had those chances I talked about. Cade does salvage a little bit with a buzzer beating three, but Cade, Grant, and Bay go six for 21 in the first half. Or again, this game could have been closer than the 12 point spread that it was at halftime. Saban Lee gets early rotation minutes for Kojo. Saban Lee had a really good game tonight. And Luca Garza plays hard. Like, and that's just contagious. You can see it. The fans love it. You see everybody on Twitter commenting on it as well. Pistons get the offense going a little bit and cut the lead down to six again in the third quarter. So again, guys, like you just look at the score, how the game started, how it ended. This team was in the game at certain points, but the Bucks always took advantage of the Pistons and unable to really make shots and just really, really steal momentum. Giannis attacks and then Holiday with back-to-back threes to take back the momentum. Did hold off the Bucks enough to allow it to just be a 14-point lead going into the fourth. And I kind of wondered, it was 74-88, do the Pistons have anything left in them? Do they have another run? Are they going to be able to get enough stops to make it a game? And they just weren't able to. I've talked about the 1-2-2 press a little bit that the Pistons will run to start quarters, after free throws, those type of things. And they go to this to start the fourth quarter, and it bites them. Bucks immediately get a bucket, and then they're able to follow it up later in the fourth with Portis making a tough end of shot clock bucket and then Middleton bodies uh, Trey Lyles on a bucket and then hits a mid-range pull-up. They extend the lead to 17 before a KC timeout, and then they just continue to do that. They get it up to as much as 22. The Pistons continue to play. like I do think they continue to fight a little bit, force a timeout, but Portis immediately hits a three. We'll talk about Bobby Portis when I talk about my takeaways from the Bucks because you have to double Giannis. And then he follows up with another one, and that was it for the game for the Pistons. So again, they lose this game 93-114. One thing real quick to note before we get into the takeaways, Frank Jackson does roll his ankle in this game and was listed as doubtful for the rest of the game. So just one day off, just Thanksgiving day off for this team before they come back on an afternoon game on Friday. Okay, so just a, a fairly quick turnaround, you know, for this. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to go on Friday or not with a team that's already a little bit shorthanded, especially at the guard spot without Killian Hayes. My biggest takeaways, I'm going to start with expectations and disappointments. You know, just like the start of this game and the end of this game, you know, you're on Twitter and you see fans so disappointed. And I understand the expectations. I had high expectations. I had too high of expectations. I'm going to hold myself accountable in this episode. You know, I, I had way too high expectations for what this team was going to be able to do this season. So I just kind of want to give it some context and something some of the beat writers have said to me about how young this team is. So this is the second of a back-to-back 
It's on the road. You're playing the defending champs who always seem to play well against the Pistons or, or, or really destroy the Pistons in a lot of situations. It was a tough fourth quarter loss on Tuesday night against the Heat. Two back-to-back tough fourth quarter losses, and it's a young team. I'm not trying to give this team a pass for the slow start, but you can almost understand it whenever you look at all those things together. And then I think people want to blame Dwayne Casey. Well, again, he's coaching a young team. So I went and looked at the starting lineup from around this time last year. You had DeLon Wright, Wayne Ellington, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, Mason Plumley, and Derrick Rose was the first guy off the bench. Now, you can talk about the talent of that the those six guys you can talk about you know obviously it was the right move to get rid of some of those guys talk about whatever you want but those guys are vets those are veteran guys you started a rookie tonight a second year player tonight and a second round draft pick rookie in Luca Garza who some didn't even think would be playing in the NBA at this point so when you compare who's getting those minutes okay you can under, this is a very young team a very inexperienced team that's going to have some ups and downs and i know it's a tough roller coaster ride to go on with this team but it is what it is like you can say what you want about Delon Wright and Wayne Ellington but people were saying they didn't want to see him play last year to preserve the quote unquote tank so obviously those guys must have been doing some things right and I'm not saying that team was always competing at the highest level and staying in games, but you can see the difference just in terms of experience between where this team was at last season to start the year and where the team is at now in terms of who they're having to play. Cade is getting plenty of usage, guys. I saw Rod Beard tweet this out. It kind of surprised me. People talking about Kojo playing next to him and not getting enough on ball. He's getting plenty of usage. I think Cade is getting every opportunity to get shots, to be in situations where he can be aggressive. And as we're talking about expectations, I have to put myself in check. So I said this was going to be an episode where I put myself in check and held myself accountable as well. I have to put my expectations for Kate in check just a little bit as well because I'm starting to get frustrated and a little bit, I guess, down on his inability to make shots and score the basketball at an efficient rate. But I do want to make sure that I continue to highlight all the quote-unquote other stuff he is doing when he's not scoring. All those things that myself and others have highlighted about him coming into the draft during um, summer league and early in the season when he was struggling with his shot as well. Yes, I want to see him make his shots. I'm not going to say that I'm worried about it, but I'm wanting to see him start to make some sooner rather than later, so I have to stop being worried about it. But with that said, he had eight rebounds tonight. He had seven assists tonight. He's still doing a lot of other really, really good things. You know, By all accounts, I'm sure he's still being a leader. Defensively, he's putting in the effort. So I just wanted to make sure that we continue to highlight those things. Now, I am working on a turnover breakdown with his, looking at every turnover he's had in his young career, just looking for themes or commonalities that we've seen from the first 10 to 15 games from Cade Cunningham and just some areas for improvement. I do think that's one area, along with the shooting, that I'd like to see him improve as we go throughout this season. Okay, guys, the Pistons do have a big man problem, and I know they have more than just a big man problem. I know there's multiple problems on this roster. I'm not saying that like Troy Weaver's done a bad job. It's understandable when you're in this place of the rebuild and the restoration, okay, that you're going to have multiple holes. But this is another long-term issue that I'm interested to see how it's filled. Like, I don't know that the organization, and maybe they've just missed on guys, has shown that they really see that they need this type of player, a guy that's just going to go rebound, protect the rim, set really good screens. Another breakdown that I did where the Pistons are one of the worst screening teams in the NBA, and part of it is – 
Okay. Part of it is because they don't have the right types of players. Okay. And go and catch lobs. I know Laz and I always, always joke about the jumpy jump guys, but I do think this is a position, a player that should be valued by the organization. And I'm interested to watch long-term if it is something that they actually do. I kind of talked myself out of it because I talked myself into Kelly Olynyk is a good fit for Cade and Killian. And I still believe that. And obviously we're not getting Kelly Olynyk minutes right now, but I don't know that Kelly Olynyk here is long-term and I like Luca Garza. I love Isaiah Stewart, but I'm not sure if they're the only answers for the future at that position. And I realize there's a lot of questions. Again, I know there's more than this, but I really do think this is one of the ones I'd like to see be addressed sooner rather than later, whether it's a draft pick in the upcoming draft or something in the offseason in terms of a free agent. My player of the game, I'm going to give two. One is Trey Lyles. I thought he had his best game statistically, at least as a Piston, 19-7 and on 15 shots. I'll get that back to that in a second. But also Saban Lee. Saban Lee had really good minutes. I'm coming off an episode where I talked about like, hey, maybe he's not ready, and he completely outplayed Corey Joseph tonight. And we're going to talk about that scenario in a second as well. But Saban Lee had 12-5-5. Those guys both had 15 shot attempts. The most shot attempts on the team came from Trey Lyles and Saban Lee. Now, I realize the second unit played a little bit more minutes tonight because of the score and all that, but Lyles played 22, Saban Lee played 29. Jeremy Grant still played 28. Sadiq Bey still played 33. Cade Cunningham still played 29. Those guys got 13, 11, and 10 shot attempts respectively. I just don't think that's enough, especially when Kelly Olin- or yeah, especially when Kelly Olenek is out. Even when Killian Hayes is out, Isaiah Stewart. Like I was talking to Wes about this beforehand, and like those three guys are three of your top seven, six or seven players. So I think even more usage should come from Grant Bay and Cunningham in these situations. That's just not enough shot attempts for those guys. But I do. I got away from them a little bit. Again. I want to give them their shine. Players of the game: Trey Lyles and Saban Lee. Play of the game, I have two for you. Saving Lee trying to posterize Giannis, okay? There wasn't a whole lot great that came from this game necessarily, but I I don't know if it's a smart decision or not, to be quite honest with you guys, but I love the fearlessness from Saving Lee, and he almost came through with it too. But Giannis is obviously, you know, he might be the best player in the league right now and a really good defensive player. He came up with the block. They actually called a foul, and then it was reviewed and overturned. But Saban Lee's always trying to put guys on poster, and as he continues to get more minutes, I'm going to have a feeling he's going to catch a body one of these times. And then also there was a nice little sequence, a dime from Cade to Saban Lee on a nice cut. I was really, really intrigued by Saban Lee's ability to cut off the ball tonight. Again, he did a lot of really nice things, but that was one thing I really liked seeing him do was move without the ball. But there was a dime from Cade to Lee, and then a Grant steal on Giannis on a really tough defensive play from Jeremy Grant, ended up in a steal, and then Lee goes on the baseline, makes the hammer pass to Sadiq Bey in the corner for a three as well. So you guys know how much I love those sequences, possess, you know, offensive, defensive, offensive possessions, and that was one I really thought was was fun to watch there. Saban Lee is a guy that's really comfortable on the baseline making those hammer plays. Some things to keep an eye on. Frank Jackson attacking the basket. Not the best night from Frank Jackson. 0 of 5 from the three-point line. So he was 3 of 5 inside the three-point line. And I just think this is a huge part of his development offensively. And I'm not saying he's been bad in this area, but if he can continue to go to the basket and finish at a high rate there, that makes him a really, really tough guard. Because now if you want to fly at him and then he can attack – 
And then as you continue to look at development, can he stop and hit the mid range? Can he get to the back? He actually had a the play he injured his ankle on. He had a nice driving kick to Cade. Cade actually made the three on that one, but they called a foul, I believe. But like just continuing to expand that game, not just the catch and shoot threes, but can he shot fake now and attack and make the defense pay in those situations as well? Maybe this is the high school coach in me coming out here, but I feel like the Pistons need to rebound like a high school team. And when I say that, I mean like it's not going to be one or two individual guys. We don't have Rudy Gobert. We don't have Jarrett Allen. We don't have these guys that are just going to do it individually and come up with 15, 20, 25 rebounds a night. Okay, They have to do it. I call it gang rebounding, and it's going to be ugly. And they had a few possessions of this tonight. So I see people saying, well, there's nothing they can do about the rebounding this year. It's not until they do what I talked about earlier, which is go and find that guy, whether free agency in the draft, you know, address it with personnel, which I'm sure Troy Weaver is planning on doing. You know, there's just only so many holes you can fill every offseason. But if we want to see improvement, I think there's a possibility for it. And that's gang rebounding. We can't have anybody standing at the three-point line when a shot goes up. Everybody has to go help. Multiple times tonight, I felt like we had a a player in position to get the rebound and he wasn't able to come up with it. But if a teammate would have been close, they could have helped him finish off the possession by grabbing what, you know, you, you call a 50, 50 ball, you know, maybe Lyles makes the box out on Giannis, but he's only able to get one hand on the ball. So you need Saban Lee running in there to go up and clean it up. I just think that's the area where they could, if like they want to get better rebounding and everybody talks about wanting to play in transition, part of that, you know, it again, I've highlighted, you can do it off a of make, but if you want to get misses, okay, or finish off possessions, gang rebound. Five guys, all of them going in there. I want to give Dwayne Casey some credit. And I know people, I'm probably turning into a guy that defends the coach too much as a coach, but I want to give him credit, like tinkering with the rotation. Saban Lee, again, a guy who I don't necessarily think has went in and played extremely well up until tonight in this Pistons action. But tonight he outplays Corey Joseph and he got the minutes. He out minute. Corey Joseph, 29 to seven. Joseph only got seven minutes. Now, maybe I think he was coming with an ankle or something like that was questionable or probable or something like that. But Casey made the decision to play Saban Lee more minutes because Saban Lee was better. I love that decision. All right. Hami eventually got his chance. I like the way he handled Hami. Hami didn't earn the rotation over Josh Jackson or Frank Jackson early in the year. Now, whenever he got an opportunity, he gave it to Hami. Hami's been playing better and now he's been getting the minutes. So I kind of like how he's been handling this. And it's been a tough rotation to handle. You have a ton of moving parts with injuries, young guys, calling guys up from the G League. So I've been okay with it, okay? And I think you could continue to see movement as guys get healthy and play better or go through slumps, and I like that, but it is going to make chemistry hard. And so that's one thing we have to take into account as well is – as he tinkers with the lineup or we see guys get minutes or Trey Lyles goes through a stretch of five or six bad games and everybody wants him to lose those minutes, well, then now you insert somebody else and that's going to take some time to develop chemistry as well. So I just wanted to give a a little bit of credit there with Dwayne Casey. I thought he handled that tonight really well and also some other situations. One last thing here, Cade getting his jump shot off in isolation. So like true isolation, him getting his jumper off. Now it's been highlighted like his release is a little flat, a little low even though he is a taller guard, I think he's going to have to get good. We've seen this, uh, the Anthony Davis clip from the the Lakers game. You know, he gets blocked to the rim, but before that, he tried to get like a quick pull up on him in isolation and Anthony Davis blocked that. I realize Anthony Davis is much taller than him, 
but there was a clip from Summer League where it happened as well. I've seen it happen multiple times. I think what Cade has to do is he has to find a way to get his defender rocked back in those situations. Like give him a little hezzy, a little jab step or something, and then create just a little bit of separation with a step back or something like that. Like I think he in college, he was able to just square a guy up, lull him to sleep a little bit, and then was able to get his shot off quick enough. But the length, the athleticism, the reaction time is too much in the NBA. I think that's something to keep an eye on if over the next, again, throughout his rookie season, I'm not saying it's something to worry about. I'm not saying we're going to see it improve right now, but if he's able to adjust to that just a little bit. Some thoughts on the other team. Giannis is really freaking good, guys. He, he's playing at a very high level. I was very interested to see how he came back from a finals MVP and a championship. He's just unreal. I'm not sure there's anything Detroit could do, even if we had Kelly Olenek, Isaiah Stewart in the full package tonight. I mean, it would have been interesting to see if Isaiah Stewart would have been able to hold up a little better. I imagine he would have than what the Pistons were able to throw at Giannis, but he's just unbelievable. And then you have the guys around him, right? So I talked about that. You go double him, well, then you leave Bobby Portis wide open, and he continues to do really nice things. Like He had a huge night tonight, obviously, 6-7 from the three-point line. That's not something he's going to do every night, but he's been knocking down shots. He had a double-double. He also had 10 rebounds tonight. So a really nice just combination of players for the Bucs. You have a guy like Chris Middleton who didn't even just go crazy tonight, 5 of 17 from the field, but he makes tough shots. He makes shots in general. And then Drew Holiday, he kind of took the that that Robin, I guess, to Giannis's Batman tonight with 22, had some stretches where he really made the Pistons pay. So I really like this roster. Obviously, you can see why they won the championship last year. You know, even Pat Connaughton knocks down threes at 40% clip and he gets involved on the board. So they have guys that do multiple things. You know, the the one thing, I guess maybe if you're worried about it, didn't get a lot of production from the bench, only 15, 17 points from the bench, 11 of those from Connaughton, only three guys total scored. So maybe that's an area, but you know, you get in the playoffs, you only play seven, eight man rotations anyway. Brooke Lopez isn't playing right now. So I don't know his status for certain, but when he gets back, then you move Portis to the bench. Now you have Portis and Connaughton coming off the bench, and then DiVincenzo as well. Again, I'm not up to date on those guys' status, but you know that might have a little bit to do with the lack of depth. A look ahead, the Pistons' next game will be against the Clippers on Friday afternoon. The Clippers are currently 10-8. and Paul George having a big year, a career year even maybe for Paul George in the absence of Kawhi Leonard. Reggie Jackson, second on the team with 18 points per game. So uh, the former Piston, again, having a nice year for the Clippers. And then also some other former Pistons on this roster, as we know, Luke Kennard, uh, Marcus Morris. And then how about former Piston-powered rider Jason Preston, um, I hadn't kept up with him as much, but we were looking earlier today. He's out with foot surgery and is going to miss significant time, but he is on that roster, Okay, the former uh, rider for the Piston Powered that made that NBA roster for the Clippers. They have nine guys averaging over nine points a game for this Clippers team. So when you know talking about the depth for the Bucks or lack thereof right now, the Clippers have plenty of guys that they're going to run out against the Pistons on Friday afternoon. And then interested to see the big guy matchup. We have Isaiah Stewart coming back off the suspension. So we'll see how he plays. Assuming we'll still see some minutes from Luca Garza up against Zubak and Hartenstein. Okay, those are two bigger guys, maybe not the most talented or you know you know best players you know in the league in terms of big guys, but you know going to cause some matter. You better box them out, keep them off the boards. So those will be an interesting matchup there. See if the Pistons maybe can bounce back from just a tough stretch of games here recently. 
As always, I want to thank my guy, Wes Davenport, the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast, who takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better. And you will start hearing his voice and involvement a little more from now on, on the weekly episodes. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us, the amount of support we're getting right now. I won't be able to do these instant recap episodes quite as frequently for the next few weeks as our high school season will be getting in full swing, but I will still do them any chance I get to watch the game live. Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday with Detroit bad boy editor Sean Corp. From everyone at Motor City Hoops to everyone listening, we are thankful for you. We are thankful for the opportunity to provide Pistons content to you, and we hope you all have an absolutely incredible Thanksgiving surrounded by family and friends and for a Lions Thanksgiving Day win. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.